Hey guys, welcome to episode 41 of the NattyCast. I am your host, Peter Bowman, and this is actually going to be my second Q&A that I'm doing on the podcast, so I'm happy about that. I think I'm going to do more of these in the future. This was uh, pretty fun to do. Um, I got quite a bit of questions. Um, I don't know if I'll get to all of them, but... I'm going to answer as many as I can. I don't want to make this episode um, too incredibly long. So I'm just going to get right into the questions. So just start uh, knocking them out one by one. So one of the first questions I got was, what are my opinions or thoughts on CrossFit? Um, And honestly, fuck CrossFit. Okay, no, I'm kidding. But... I used to hate on CrossFit, you know, back in the day when I first started, you know, bodybuilding because it was kind of like a bodybuilding, bodybuilders versus CrossFit thing sort of going on. Uh, You know, bodybuilders just, or at least I did and like the people I saw on YouTube. I know Callum Von Moger always talks shit about CrossFit and that was funny to me. I used to watch him uh, back then in the day and um, yeah, so I used to just kind of make fun of CrossFit and like people doing like pretty much anything that wasn't bodybuilding just for fun. Um, but no, I don't have anything against, um, CrossFit, um, or anything like that. I just think it's kind of stupid because most of the people who are doing CrossFit are doing it sort of to get in shape, um, and try to lose weight and look better. Um, and sort of just like kill themselves in the gym when that's not really the point of, CrossFit per se, um, and which is why CrossFit is kind of stupid, especially at a amateur level, because you have a bunch of people doing and following programming that is just inaccurate. Like, for example, they're doing, they do wads or whatever workouts of the day. Um, and this is usually something that's in, in circuit fashion, and it's usually always for time. Um, and a lot of the lifts are essentially like Olympic lifts and you're not supposed to do Olympic lifts for time. Like Olympic lifts are intended to, you know, they're very technical. Um, They're meant to be performed in a certain way. You're not really trying to get a workout doing Olympic lifts. You're just, you know, focusing on technique um, and your form. And that's really what Olympic lifting is all about. Um, Of course, you're going to have, you know, some muscle from that. It's probably not going to be the only training you do. But like when you're practicing snatches and like clean and jerks, you're not supposed to be like doing them for time. And that's uh, one of the reasons why, you know, CrossFitters run into so many injuries uh, because they're just following programming that is improper and especially at the amateur level I mean it's one thing when you know you're a professional crossfitter and you're like in the crossfit games um and you know you're very experienced but when you just decide like you're going to start trying to get in shape or you know pursuing fitness and incorporating it as part of your life crossfit is probably one of the worst things you could do um because you're definitely probably going to end up getting hurt and that's definitely not going to aid your fitness whatsoever. So I'm not going to elaborate too long on that. That's uh, sort of my thoughts on CrossFit. So I'll leave it at that. Next question, um, perfect chest workout. So I wanted to answer this one just because, you know, there's no perfect chest workout. Like everyone is different. So, and it also depends on your goals. I mean, if your hypertrophy is the goal, I'm guessing he means hypertrophy is the goal. Cause you know, the question would have been like, 
how to increase my bench or something if it was focused on like strength. So I'm assuming hypertrophy is the goal. Now, personally, I get a lot of chest activation from barbell bench press. Um, a lot of people don't. Um, and if you don't, um, a good chest workout for you would probably be something like starting with a pre-activation exercise, like really getting some blood in the muscle with some flies, um, and then moving to a heavy compound. Um, I definitely recommend keeping a incline movement in there. So essentially, if you do flat barbell bench, I would do like incline dumbbell, uh, just because you want to make sure you're hitting that upper chest. That's where most people are lagging. Um, it's, it's It takes a lot of time to develop that upper chest. So make sure you're hitting the upper chest. Um, incline dumbbell is probably my favorite movement for that. Um, sometimes I like supersetting it with, um, you know, dumbbell flies, incline dumbbell flies to just get some extra blood in the muscle. So that's what I would recommend. Like if you have trouble feeling like um, your chest with the compounds, I would recommend doing some pre-activation um, and then focusing on some heavy compounds, um, a main movement which you want to progress on in strength, um, and then you know focusing on the upper chest, um, and then just moving to isolation movements. And if you're growing, that's good. Um, if you're not and your strength is um, decreasing, you may want to look at your diet. Um, maybe increase the calories you're intaking or increase your volume if you're already eating um, quite a bit. So that's it for that one. Um, and then I got a question, what is my post-workout meal? Right now, my post-workout meal is pretty insane. I've been sharing some of them on uh, my story, if you guys um, ever happen to see them on there. But essentially, my post-workout meal, it varies. Um, but it's very high in carbs at the moment. I used to be, you know... It, it used to be crazy. Like I used to eat like the carbs I have in my post-workout meal throughout like one whole day. Um, mo a lot of the time, yeah, most of the time throughout 2018, um, I wouldn't even, I well, I did keto for a bit, so that was like no carbs. But now my post-workout meal is just super, super carb heavy. And reason being is because, um, you know, after a workout, you deplete your glycogen stores, GLUT4 is elevated, so your body is ready um, you know, to intake these carbs and use them to uh, replenish your glycogen and you know, start repairing and rebuilding your muscles. And um, most, you know, carbs are probably more important post-workout to start refilling your glycogen stores and start that recovery process than like protein is. Um, and like you want to have like I use pink pink salt on like all my post workout meals just to get some like electrolytes back in the system as well. So my post workout meal is very carb heavy. Um, my go tos as of late have been uh, I'll do like bagels with honey, and then if I have like one bagel with honey, um, I'll usually do like a few servings of cereal as well, and then like a whey. Um, I'll use whey for the milk. I'll use Legion Nath's whey. Um, so that's what I do post workout and. Um, you know, it's great. Like, so even if I do, like I said, I'll add electrolytes to it. So the pink salt is what I use. So even if I use, um, you know, cereal, often I'll sprinkle, um, like pink salt on it. You can't really taste it. So and I don't mind like salty and sweet is good to me. So I don't care about that. And I shoot for, um, roughly, I'm not tracking hundred percent accurate now, but I've been doing it so long. I know what I'm intaking. So I still weigh, like when I have the cereal, I weigh the cereal. So I know how many servings I'm getting just so I can keep track of my calories. And usually my post-workout meal at the moment is varying between 150 and 200 grams of carbs, um, like minimum, sometimes even more. Um, and the reason being is because I'm shooting for around 600 grams of carbs per day now. So 
usually I'll get in like 100, 150 carbs uh, pre-workout. And that's usually spread across like my first meal and then like a pre-workout snack. And then I'll come back and I'll have uh, like 150 to 200 grams of carbs, like at least. And like I said, usually that's like four serving, four to five servings of cereal and like a bagel or two with like honey and then uh, a whey protein shake. So that has been my go-to right now. It's been, you know, pretty solid. Um, the cereal, you know, doesn't really matter. Sometimes I go for like a lower sugar cereal. And my cereals, I usually try to go for cereals that the serving um, size has only one gram of fat per serving. So just because I try to limit fats post-workout. Um, I also have been experimenting with adding eggs post-workout. And that is um, a fat source, obviously. But the main reason is I heard some good benefits about including dietary cholesterol post-workout um, for increasing strength. And whatnot. So I've been experimenting with that. Sometimes I throw eggs in, like two eggs in post workout. Um, but yeah, mainly, usually it's just, you know, like 150 grams to 200 grams of carbs, usually coming from cereal, bagels, uh, and honey, and then uh, the whey protein shake. So that's uh, my post workout meal at the moment. Um, so, yep. On to the next question. When should we bulk if abs get visible or too shredded? So this is kind of a confusing question, but I I think he's trying to say, um, you know, when should we start to increase calories if I'm guessing he's trying to build muscle and he notices he's getting too lean or something. So, uh, I mean, that, that one's pretty obvious. I mean, you kind of got to just push through it. I mean, obviously, if you're inexperienced, you have to track your calories to know what your intakes are. So if you're not tracking, um, definitely track because if you're getting leaner, you're obviously in a deficit. So and if muscle is the goal or you're trying to build muscle, that's probably not ideal. You want to be eating at least um, around maintenance or above it. And if you are a beginner, you may be recomping somewhat. So um, as long as you're still progressing in strength in the gym, I wouldn't even really worry about it too much. So I think I'm just going to leave that question at that. Um, when switching from cutting to bulking, how much weight to lose a week for minimal muscle loss? And do you just subtract from your current bulking macros to, I guess, take away macros or whatnot? So, um, yeah, so how much you want to lose a week for minimal muscle loss? Um, I mean, this kind of varies depending on your experience a bit, but um, you want to keep, um, you know, weight loss roughly to about a pound a week is what everyone says, which is about a 500 calorie um, deficit. So, yeah, you don't want to crash diet from the start. And this is why it's very important to sort of reverse diet and be tracking before you um, start the diet. Because essentially, if you do that, say you get your intake up to like 3,500 calories, you've been tracking, um, you've been tracking there for a month, you're trying to gain, and you can't get any more weight. So you're at 3,500 calories, you're not gaining uh, much more weight. That means that 35 calories is 3,500 calories is probably your maintenance. So once you go to start cutting, if you want to put yourself in a position to lose one pound a week, you just go down to 3,000 calories, and you sort of gauge your progress from there. 
if you lose too fast, you may even be able to increase your calories a bit or, you know, start working with like low and high days of, um, you know, maybe your high days could be right at maintenance of like 3,500. And then you could do like 2,800 calories on like the regular, and which would sort of kind of keep your metabolism um, up as well. Um, your body would, you know, on those 3,500 calories at 1,000, 3,500 calorie days, your body would, you know, obviously realize that you're not starving and can help keep, you know, fat loss rolling, which is the importance and what refeeds are really used for. So, yeah, I would definitely, you know, recommend a lot of these questions I feel um, you know, you need to be tracking your macros to kind of get an idea of these sort of things, um, until you're a little more experienced. So, um, if you want, I mean, you can lose a pound a week, um, even somewhat more, especially a lot of people lose way more than a pound a week. Um, when they go from a bulk to a cut, just because there's a lot of water and ret retention that goes and, you know, things like that. So if, I mean, a lot of people are known to lose like five pounds their first week, um, just because of all the water. So definitely if that happens, don't panic, don't increase your calories like too incredibly much. That's like, that's pretty normal. Um, you know, to see the weight come off clap quit pretty quickly, uh, especially if you're really, um, you know, going hard on the bulk, um, that's pretty typical to happen. So yeah, I would say I would say a pound a week is a pretty safe bet um, over average over time. So I would shoot for that. Um, but you won't really lose muscle as long as your volume um, is adequate. Um, you're going to lose some strength just because like your leverages are probably going to be off. And, you know, strength movements are somewhat, you know, technical. It's not just like, um, you know, brute force, brute strength. Um, so you, you will lose some strength, but will you necessarily lose muscle? Not really, unless you're really, you know, in a severe deficit, like digging super hard, doing a bunch of cardio and things like that. So if you're just trying to do like a little cut, a mini cut, or, um, you know, you don't have to stress it too much. I'd shoot for that pound a week. Okay. Next question. Best for cutting, decreasing carbohydrate intake or or calories from meats or fats. Um, so this one's largely it's it's going to come down to adherence and personal preference. Um, like most people think it's carbs that you need to cut to you know get fat fat loss rolling, but it's really not the case. You know, keeping a higher carb diet diet will be beneficial, especially at first. Like you don't want to go from just eating a bunch of carbs to cutting them out of your diet because that's just silly. Um, it's going to, your performance is going to be shot and it's just, you're not going to feel that great. You want to slowly decrease the carbs and, you know, fats in sort of a balanced uh, manner. I would recommend keeping protein higher, not cutting protein out because obviously protein is necessary for, um, you know, to build muscle and you want to maintain as much muscle as possible. Um, have those amino acids in your body uh, while you're trying to lose weight so you can maintain that muscle. Um, yeah, um, it, it really comes down to preference. Some people, like um, me, I've always thought I've had to diet on, like, super low carbs. But now that I'm properly, like, following a high-carb diet during this, like, bulking phase, I'm definitely not going to, like, go low-carb right when I go back to cut again um, or something like that. So it really comes down to adherence. Some people, you know, having, like, I'm one of these people, like, there's a lot of flexible dieters who are, like, who when they're dieting, they, like, include things like, 
cookies or like a few Oreos, like pre-workout, or they f- essentially fit their macros with treats and, and shit like that. Um, I'm not good at that at all because like if I'm depleted and I'm like starving and I have cravings and I include like some Oreos, like I'm going to want to eat more fucking Oreos and I'm just going to be like a crackhead for the next like hour after having like two Oreos, wanting more Oreos. So that is pointless for me. So going a lower carb approach works for me in terms of that because I don't, um, I feel like I don't have as many cravings. Like when I did keto, um, all my cravings switched from like sweets to like savory. I didn't crave sweets at all. I craved like steak and, you know, things like that. So it really comes down to adherence and like personal preference. So um, whatever you prefer, like if you prefer more fats, eat more fats. If you prefer more carbs, eat more carbs. Um, I like protein, so going really high protein isn't a problem for me. Um, so it really comes down to adherence and playing with these things. So that's my answer for that one. Um, this is a good question because I've sort of been dealing with the same thing. Um, it's slightly different, but uh, the question was how to deal with shoulder pain after an intense workout. So I'm assuming he's talking about like some sort of joint pain, some sort of rotator cuff pain, um, something like that, as opposed to just sore muscles, because I'm assuming if he has intense shoulder workouts, he would have intense chest workouts and intense leg workouts and so on and so forth. I'm assuming he doesn't just train his shoulders intensely and everything else not the same. So I'm assuming he's talking about like a joint issue or an issue like that. And I've been doing a lot of mobility work lately for my shoulders, especially. Um, I've recently started working with um, a rehab company. Um, They're called Sport and Spine and they're great. So they've been showing me a bunch of mobility drills and all this kind of stuff to work on uh, for my shoulder. I've been having shoulder pains in my right shoulder essentially for the majority of this year um, when overhead pressing and even when doing like some certain rows and stuff. And it, it sort of came and came and went like it was never super severe, but sometimes it would just, you know, be way more pronounced. Other days it would feel a lot better. Um, and they've been taking me through like some mobility drills and I've been doing that with them for about three weeks and, you know, focusing on, um, certain mobility exercises, like pre-workout doing some of that. And it's helped a lot. Like my shoulder actually feels like a lot better now, just like pushing overhead, um, a lot less sore. So I'm going to try to keep, keep the mobility, uh, for the shoulders in the routine to help prevent that. So I would definitely recommend working on some mobility, um, pre-workout, which will likely, um, reduce the, the pain and fatigue that you experience, um, after your shoulder workouts, because most likely you're lifting with like a slight imbalance or, um, like a tweak in your rotator cuff, maybe some mild, um, tendonitis. So working on that mobility will really help a lot. And actually, um, Sport and Spine has an app which can help show you some of these mobility drills. Um, Essentially, if you download the app in the App Store, uh, just search search Sport and Spine, um, and it should pop up. There's an assessment button you can click, and essentially you can see the whole body, and wherever you're experiencing an issue, you can click on the body at that point, and it will give you a variety of mobility drills and exercises which you can practice to improve, um, you know, issues like especially with the shoulders. And, you know, my shoulders have been benefiting from it. So I highly recommend looking into that. Um, so that's that. Here's another 
um, common question. I wanted to answer this one again because people ask this question all the time. So um, how to lose stubborn lower belly fat. And I'm one of the people that has stubborn lower belly fat. It's pretty much the last place my fat goes for sure. Like my legs will be like stage ready and I'll still have, you know, a bunch of fat on my stomach. So not stage ready, but you know what I mean? Um, my legs will be really lean and I'll still have, you know, fat along the lower back, lower belly. Essentially you can't do anything about this. You can't really spot reduce. Um, there has been some, um, research coming out recently, which has been looking at like essentially exercising a muscle before doing like cardio. And if that will increase the amount of fat burn from that area, um, the evidence isn't a hundred percent clear yet, but there may be like some slight evidence for like, say bodybuilders like to bring their having shredded glutes for a bodybuilder is, um, you know, beneficial on stage because it's usually the last place for like fat to go. So, um, you know, for example, doing something like hip thrusts before cardio may enhance like the fat you burn, um, from your glutes, like by a teeny bit. Um, maybe if you tell yourself that you can just utilize the placebo effect and just tell yourself it's working. But to be honest, you can't really spot reduce. That's not one you rely on. Um, it just takes time being in a deficit. You got to lose, you know, fat. It comes off where it comes off and you got to just stay consistent, stay in that deficit. And eventually, you know, that fat will come off as long as you're um, in a deficit for a long enough time. So that's how the best way to lose body fat, just consistency uh, with dieting. So another question sort of related to this. Um, can the nutrients you eat determine where you store fat or is it purely genetic? Um, honestly, I don't know much about this, um, this topic in terms of like, I haven't researched it at all, but I'm 90% sure it's purely genetic. Um, the only thing that, as far as I know, that can um, determine like sort of switch up where you store fat. A lot of people like, um, I've heard of people getting like liposuction. So say, Say, like, a lot of women, um, overweight women, you see they have, like, those, like, baggy triceps or, like, they store fat in their arms. So they'll get, like, liposuction on their arms. But then they'll, instead of storing their fat there, they'll, like, store it extra fat in a completely different place. So that can kind of change where you determine or where you store your fat. Um, also, um, dieting can affect where you store your fat. Like, for example... Personally, I think this is something that's happened to me. Like, I store most of my fat around my midsection, and I was never someone who had, like, um, like super shredded abs just naturally. Like, I was a soccer player when I was a kid. Um, I was very skinny, but, like, most of my friends had, like, abs. I didn't really have abs. Like, I was, I was lean and skinny, but it wasn't like you could see, like, a six-pack like some of my friends. So, but over the time of, like dieting and whatnot essentially um this was an interesting study i've posted about it before it was about the study on rats essentially you can produce more fat cells um which obviously you know accumulate and for me like if they came on it's usually around the midsection and that's what happens most of the time that's usually the first place like fat cells are stored based off what i've learned because especially when you get really lean your body wants to you know keep your core warm and it's 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 simply evolution like you know when your body is 
depleted or starving. I mean, our bodies don't know we're dieting. They just think we're starving. We can't find food. So as a defense mechanism, our body sort of creates more fat cells, which was proven in that study done on rats, which is a defense mechanism. So by the time like the next famine or the next like, you know, the next time you're starving comes around, you'll have more fat cells to be able to use that energy since you can't, you know, get access to food, find food. And, you know, these fat cells usually come on on the torso or in the midsection um, more prevalently just because that's where your core is. Like the core body temperature is obviously way more important than um, like your arms or your legs. So that can kind of switch up where you store fat. But in terms of eating certain nutrients to determine where you store your fat, um, that's not going to have much to do with it whatsoever. So. Another question I got, um, are hip thrusts a must in a training routine? I've personally never done them. Um, no, they are not necessary whatsoever. And here is why. Um, most people's leg routines, I believe, should be focused around the squat. Um, you know, perfecting your form with the squat and sort of learning to squat and just slowly building strength on a squat. I think squat is like probably king when it comes to you know building your legs and just overall i think it's just a great movement overall it's um you know it works your core everything like so i definitely recommend squatting personally i'm not squatting right now and that's just because i've wanted to switch and focus on something else because my whole um lifting career i've been focusing on squats as my main movement so I'm just switching things up for a bit, but, um, and here's the reason why hip thrusts aren't necessary. Like somebody, it depends on the individual. So for me, I'm more so quad dominant when I squat. So I'm doing hip thrusts because I want to sort of build up my glutes more. Um, but a lot of people, their glutes are overactive. Their glutes and hamstrings are overactive when they squat and they have really, really trouble building their quads. So if you're one of these people, there's no necessary reason that you would have to do hip thrusts, especially a lot of guys don't want big glutes. So they would stay away from like doing hip thrusts. And if you're one of these guys that has overactive glutes, um, you're definitely not going to need to need to be adding in extra glute volume. The squat should be plenty. But that being said, hip thrusts are a great movement. Um, so if you've never done them, um, you can try them. Um, especially I wouldn't be scared of like growing your glutes. I know some guys are, but I wouldn't be scared of that. Personally, I'm trying to get a fat ass this, uh, winter. So that's why I'm doing a hip thrust, but yeah, no need to be scared of them, but you, it's not a must. Um, like I said, especially you get a lot of, lot of glute volume from your squats. If you, uh, do them right and your, you know, your glutes are overactive. So that's that. Um, another question, should there be neck movement during a back squat? Um, where should your eyes gaze be? So this one, uh, a lot of people do it differently. Um, but your, your neck should be really in a neutral position with the spine. Um, and you want to keep your eyes um, facing forward. A lot of people like look up. Um, it's not necessary. Um, you don't need to do that. Um, you just want to keep a neutral neck uh, with your spine and your eyes can just be straight ahead or even looking a little bit down. Um, it's not going to matter too much about your eyes. The main thing is um, keeping your neck, um, you know, neutral with your spine. So that's that. And then I think this was the last question here. Um, 
what pre-workout do you recommend and why? So, I mean, obviously I work with a company who sells pre-workout. So I obviously recommend their pre-workout. It's Pulse um, is the name of it. Some of you may have heard of it. Um, But I recommend essentially Pulse is great just because it's super simple. Um, It's effective. It just gets the job done. Personally, I like more caffeine. But the thing about Pulse is it's a two scoop um, dose. So a lot of the times, like if I don't want 350 milligrams of caffeine, I'll just do one scoop, which is just 175 milligrams. Um, And I actually have um, two of my other favorite, favorite ingredients, which are impulse and it's clinically dosed with two scoops but a lot of times if i don't do two scoops as like a bigger male if you're a chick you probably just need one scoop to be honest but um as a bigger male i have those ingredients on the side so i have citrulline malate and beta alanine on the side which personally i'm a huge fan of beta alanine i know a lot of people hate it because of the itching and whatnot but i don't know i really like the itching so maybe i'm weird but yeah, I like that. So I'll add more beta alanine and more citrulline malate when I don't double scoop pulse. But pulse is just super, you know, it's simple and effective and it gets the job done. Um, there's no artificial sweeteners or artificial colors. You know, everything that's in the pre-workout is actually on the label. Um, you're not going to be taking any like weird amphetamines or banned substances, um, which you got to keep an eye out for in a variety of pre-workouts. Um, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I dabble and you know try other pre-workouts but pulse is by far the one that's the most like reliable and like gets the job done so um, I'm liking pulse right now it's it's great you know if you want to you know try it out you can go to my affiliate link which is buylegion.com slash peter and my discount is peter10 which saves you 10% so I highly recommend pulse if you're looking to try a new pre-workout um yeah, and I think that's going to do it for um, this Q&A, guys. Um, thank you to everyone who left a question. Um, if I didn't get to your question, I apologize. Um, I'm definitely going to do more of these in the future. So, yeah, like I said, really appreciate you leaving a question. And I appreciate all you guys for, you know, listening to the podcast and um, whatnot as well. So, uh, like I said, more episodes coming soon. I'll do more Q&As in the future. Um, and keep an eye out. I should have another guest on here fairly soon, um, unless anything falls through. So I'll talk to you guys soon. And thanks again for listening. Bye.